what uh, was, uh, was shaped and fashioned, uh, the values, the convictions that were hammered out in this congregation that brought us to this place, over time they drift. Or uh, new people get saved, they don't have a clue what brought us to this place. Um, uh, either that or uh, they're raised in church but just never got it or etc. And um, convictions are more powerful than values. Uh, your convictions today are going to dictate and determine who you'll be tomorrow. And uh, there's convictions. Uh, these flags didn't just happen to be on the wall for decor or something, but there was there were dynamics of the fellowship that we embraced and were imparted into this church uh, that became convictions. And so when a, a someone gets saved, they come into the church, and it's like if you're born into a family, the convictions and the climate of that home is very much it contributes to your well-being, uh, your sanity, uh, your health, uh, your success in the future, or if the family is, is messed up, if they have no values, no convictions, uh, if it's insanity, if it's cursed, if it's demonic, uh, then that also affects you. And so um, uh, we wanted to look at this, and uh, uh, one of the first we looked at is uh, we tell the truth around here. We keep our word. And so we did a couple of three sessions on, on keeping your word. This means you're not a liar. Uh, this means your word has profound effect. You are your word. And uh, you cannot uh, build the kingdom of God without keeping your word. What if God didn't keep Let every man be a liar and God speak the truth. And so when you give someone your word, when you say, I'm going to be there, then you're there. You give them a commitment, uh, then you feel an obligation uh, to keep that. And we went through like two or three weeks and the dynamics of your word and, and et cetera, because your word creates a climate. It creates a culture. And convictions create a culture. We talked about great sports teams, uh, the Spurs or uh, the Bulls or the Celtics or et cetera. There's a culture in that organization uh, that comes by their values and what's imparted uh, and that creates championships and champion teams. That's not just true in the world uh, or sports or a company, but that's true in the church. And so then we move from, um, uh, from there, the idea about words and language. And we, as I said, we spent two or three weeks on that. Then I move to, we are instruments of God's redemption. Started this last week. Uh, we are instruments of God's redemption. And so I want to read the text this morning, 2 Timothy 1, verse 13 and 14. Paul's writing to Timothy and this is another generation, and Paul is giving him instruction. Hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. Uh, chapter 2, verse 2, all the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men 
who will be able to teach others also. Now, I talked last week about we're instruments, God's instruments of redemption and, and, uh, and restoration. Uh, there's this, this dynamic in a church uh, uh, where this is not just a statement or a sermon, but they actually see this played out in life. So uh, I want to I talk to you a minute and kind of get your mind locked in. So what does the word redemption mean? Anybody? See how good a teacher I am. Bad. What, is it, what does it mean? What does it mean when God is a redeeming God? Uh, yes, uh, Jessica. We've been purchased. Pardon? Purchased. Christ purchased. purchased us. Okay, by his blood he purchased us. He redeemed us. He bought, bought us out of the, the grasp of sin, Satan, and hell. Uh, he redeemed us by his precious, precious blood. What's the difference between conviction and condemnation? Jason. Uh, conviction always brings hope and condemnation uh, accuses without hope. Okay, and so uh, they both pass judgment. Uh, they both, if you're convicted, you're, you're guilty. But uh, 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 conviction is your friend and, and redemption and we're moving to restoration uh, says, oh, I'm guilty. I, 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 I made stupid decisions. I, I, made, I sinned. Uh, uh, I, I did terrible things. But there's hope. I can be changed. I still have a future. God is able to break the curse uh, that was triggered. Maybe I inherited a generational curse or triggered it by my own decisions. Condemnation says you're guilty and there's no hope. You'll never change uh, there's no future for you. You're finished. You're over. Leads into legalism and, and all kinds of things. Um, and so um, uh, uh, the, this is a, and, and a church, uh, by your language, by your uh, behavior, how you relate to people, you must be an instrument of God's redemption and God's ability uh, to bring restoration. And this has to do with how you talk. Um, uh, and so God didn't just save us. He didn't just purchase us out. Uh, thank God for that. Um, uh, he, he bought us. Um, but not, not, that wasn't the end of it. He was wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Uh, and, and then uh, he has a, a place and a purpose for you in life. A destiny he, somewhere uh, to be reconciled. What? So, so you're redeemed. What does reconcile mean? What does reconcile? It's one thing to Pete. I believe reconcile means that uh, if you're at odds with someone, you just can't get along. Uh, something is done to bring you back together. Okay. And so this is true with God and true with people. Uh, you're saved by the blood of Jesus. He paid the price. Uh, uh, you're redeemed, but he wants you to be reconciled back to God. Where, where you don't just come pray a prayer, okay, I'm forgiven, then we never see you again. Or God never sees you again. 
He wants to have a living, breathing, up-to-date relationship with you. To be reconciled back to God. I can come boldly before the throne of God. Uh, because Jesus, the high priest, ever making intercession for the saints and etc. And so, uh, and so the, all of this uh, we understand, but, but what's your part? So give me some insight here. Uh, how does that play out uh, in your behavior in your life as a church? When I say we are God's instruments of redemption, reconciliation and restoration, recovery, we could go on. A, what does that mean to you? Anyone? Anyone? How, did, how does that play out in your behavior as a Christian? Yes, Angel, George, Angel. Um, I believe that uh, people have to see hope in our lives. They got to see change. Uh, our countenance can't be the same as when we were a sinner, obviously. And uh, when we speak, we have to speak words of life. Um, we can't be just, you know, religious. It has to show in our lives. Okay, George, senior. Hallelujah. It's nice having a namesake. Uh, praise God. You know, it's uh, like, like Angel was saying, something has to change. Something has to be demonstrable in your life that it's not just, because a lot of people, they say, well, I believe in God, but the devils believe in God and tremble. You know, and if we believe in God, we allow him to change our lives and touch us at the very basis of who we are. The Bible says if any man be in Christ is a new creation, old things pass away and all things become new. So number one, number two, uh, are we speaking of that hope of glory that dwells within us? Are we sharing the love of Jesus? Last commandments that Jesus made was going to all the world and preach the gospel. And that's not just around the world, but it's to our neighbor. It's to the people that we meet in a, on the bus, at the bus stop, in the grocery store. And it, it's, it's, it's declaring God's word so people can hear and then it puts us on notice to do right before them because they're watching us at that point. Okay. Uh, yes, anyone else want to add to that? And so say someone comes through the door. Say they, they come this morning. Uh, say people come back today that were saved last Sunday morning. They come back today. Uh, how are you going to minister to them restoration how does that play out? What's your responsibility as a church, Ike? Actually, um, you know, love and restoration is an action verb. So it's more than your mouth talking. It's what actions do you do that you show them love and action. And so it's one thing to talk it. It's another thing. To walk it, like, like. So, uh, it, so let's walk it. What is okay. it? Well, walking it is this. In, in uh, Psalms, it says that that uh, the Lord will uh, set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Well, the enemy is your enemy is not the guy that flipped you off when you were driving here to church. Your enemy is actually sometimes in your midst. Jesus's enemy at the time of the Passover was his disciples and Judas who actually turned on him. And the first thing that happened when he resurrected is the first thing he said, tell my disciples and Peter where I will be. So in other words, when we're talking about uh, words and action, when things happen amongst brethren and sisters, and they will happen, the true restoration is when that relationship is reestablished 
like nothing happened before. Okay, someone there, yes. What does it mean? Uh, you this morning, how are you God's instrument of redemption and restoration? Um, I was just going to say my testimony because like people who um, come to the church, they have their, they were where you were. So by you showing them what God has done in your life um, and even telling them and them seeing as an example is a way of restoring them and giving them hope too. Okay, how long have you been saved? Um, six months, seven. Six months. So explain that. What did someone do to you that made, it, made you want to change? What did you see? Um, what did you uh, hear? What did they say? What, what happened? Um, I would say like, um, because I was very lucky because I, I, I got to move in with um, Opal and John. And okay, you moved in with John and Opal. Yes. Okay. And, um, and I'm moving in next week too. No, me, and, <laughs> me and Connie, we're all coming, John. We're all coming over there. Um, and also Jennifer, and I got to see like people living and breathing Christ. And what I never did you knew, see? Um, just like every day. Uh, well, for one, there was no TV in the house. There and, was no TV. <laughs> okay, no TV. That's that's a miracle. And then for two, um, uh, every day was about uh, they just lived Christ. They didn't swear. They didn't. Um, okay, they, they were the no same cussing. way they were at church. Okay, they what? They were the same way they were at church. Okay, the same way they were at church. They were that way at home. Is that you? Okay, go ahead. Keep preaching, um, sister. Keep preaching. <laughs> they were loving and caring. So They were loving and caring. Okay, how? Um, they People just, have to have details. Yeah, they, they just showed me hope. Like, I would not always have good days, but they were always encouraging. They were like, you know, God is going to help you. God has a, a destiny for you. There is hope. Like, just keep going. Pray, 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 pray. Okay, that, that's what Ike was. Yeah, they, they speak and they, they pray and there's hope, okay? What else? Um, and also, um, they teach you, like, so ministry and something is something you look forward to because you can see that it's enjoyment. Like, um, for example, out, uh, street preaching and um, outreach, like, that, that's, like, something that's, you could see joyful in it because you see them doing it and they contend to it every week and day in and day out. So Okay, that's fantastic. She just came and asked me about getting in ministry just last Sunday, wasn't it? And so, uh, uh, and she said, I saw them where ministry was a joy. Serving God was not uh, some burden. I have to, uh, woe is me, uh, Pastor Campbell or Pastor Toy, someone asked me, so now I have to get in, you know. Uh, and, and so that's one of the reasons she's still here. She, she saw that. She saw God in human flesh, 2016. She saw in the church a living demonstration of how God redeems people and restores people by their behavior, by their words, by their actions, by how they, they process ministry. See, this is critical. You know why some, some churches have an abortive spirit? What if she moved in with John and Opal and they talked about everybody in the church? Go to church, my that song leader, that Jason up there. I don't know who that guy is. If you if you're a visitor, that's John's son. Or my Joy, who is that up? The golly, and that guy Junior, she married. You know what if that's all she heard? See, well that's all. 
And you know that, that happens. But if the church is going to grow and if, if converts, uh, they, their success rate, their desire. She came to me. She, I said, how long have you been saved? She said, about six months or so. And I began to ask her, so you, you pray. I, I see her in the prayer room, outreach stuff, and go down the dynamics. So, well, she's seen that. Someone in the church demonstrated God to her. That, you know, I can preach a thousand sermons, but listen, somebody's watching you. They're watching you. Let me ask you, the people who watch you, what are they seeing? Does it make them want to be a Christian? Does it make them want to get in ministry? Do they see joy? Or, or, or if they watch you and listen to you away from the house of God, does it have a, a negative effect? Because this is, this is why, one of the reasons why these flags are here. Uh, guys want to go. Uh, they, they'll pick up their family, go to the other side of the world. Uh, uh, one is because as a congregation, we keep our word to them. But number two, they embraced and they saw, they were, they were, they were redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Uh, but then they were begin to be restored uh, and something begin powerful to happen. Someone else, anyone else want to add in, jump in on that? Anyone else? Okay, let's uh, uh, think about David with his mighty men of valor. I need someone to get for me uh, 1 Samuel 22.2. Who will get that? 1 Samuel 22.2. Uh, yes, uh, Guillermo. Um, and then I need uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, 5 through 7. Who will get that for me? Yes. Uh, Proverbs 11.13. Uh, Proverbs 19 and 11, uh, Billy. First uh, Timothy 5:13. Who'll get that for me? Uh, Caleb. Second uh, Samuel 23 verse 8. Who'll get that for me? Second Samuel 23 uh, verse 8. Uh, any, anybody? Angel, if you'll get that for me. So, so I, I wonder. Have you ever wondered? God, in a couple of places of Scripture, called David a man after my own heart. Now, we know David wasn't perfect, but why would God speak that about this man? Uh, why, when, when God had Samuel anoint him, one of the things God said that qualified him, he was a man after my own heart. And so no doubt there's, there's many different dynamics, but I think one of those uh, is David had this incredible ability uh, to bring uh, a restoration uh, and, and to reconcile and to lift people. So let's think about the men who gathered themselves to David. No doubt you've heard this preach. 1 Samuel 22, 2. And everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. Okay, think of this. Everyone who was in distress... Uh, who were in debt, and who were discontent. Now this is what he's got to work with. Those who are in distress, it has the thought in the Hebrew of pain and agony. They're, hard, they're upset with life. 
They're troubled in, in mind and emotion. They, they've got some mental issues. They've got relational issues. They're in debt. They're broke. They owe other people. They're perhaps on the run from debtor's prison. They're undisciplined for sure when it comes with money. They're discontent. They're unhappy. They're dissatisfied. They're frustrated. There's resentment. And these are the How do you see people? Let me ask you. People who come through these doors, how do you see them? Do you see them as they are or do you see them as they can be? Because this is critical to being an instrument of God's redemption. Being an example. So here's David. And uh, do you always see their problems or do you see their potential? Do you see their past or do you see their possibilities? How do you view people? Do you simply see them as a mess, as a burden, uh, a problem? Uh, and, and we didn't deal with this, but somewhere, uh, uh, the reason, talking about John and Opal, they opened their home. They, they got involved with this young lady. Opened their home. No doubt Opal's had powerful, and, and you cannot restore people when all you keep them at arm's length. There has to be somewhere they have to be uh, uh, have up close and personal. Do you look for the dirt? Do you look for the dirt? Do you love the dirt on people? There's a generation that loves the dirt. They love to throw it out. Social media. Uh, I'm, I'm not into it. I don't know much about it, but what they tell me, it's a dirt farm, man, by and large. Nothing but dirt. Do you love the dirt? Let's, let's look. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 5 through 7. Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not. Love does not behave itself. Okay. Love, love does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. Is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Okay, stop. Thinks no evil. Thinks no evil. Do you love to think about other people's trash? Your ability to redeem and restore... And to reconcile begins with how you think. Love thinks a certain way. Okay, go ahead. Rejoice, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Okay, it, it doesn't get excited over someone's stain. It doesn't rejoice. It, how do, it, 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 it hates gossip. It, do, you get, do you get excited? Do you get stirred up? Do you rejoice over someone else's problems? Their, their sin or their, does that really, I mean, does that make you feel good? 
Go ahead. Beareth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Okay, it has a hope. When, when, when you hear something, do you lace that with a hope for them in your prayer or when you speak to them? Or do you just love the dirt? You love to highlight the trash, the iniquity, the stain, their, their fall, their failure. This church, I don't know, you know, a lot of times you don't travel like I do, has a reputation of being a congregation of redemption. That people can come here uh, in various places across the fellowship even. Sometimes Pastor Mitchell over the years sent people here and stuff and, and for different reasons. Uh, and because this congregation, that's you, you have somewhere it's been built into the core conviction that, hey, uh, we, we, we do truth, we deal with truth, but hey, we love redemption. We love to have, believe for, I would rather err on the side of redemption than the side of the trash and condemnation and, and gossip. Redemption has a language, and we've talked about this, of hope. It has a vision for someone else's future. It has acceptance. Proverbs eleven thirteen. A tale, a tale bearer revealeth secrets, but he that is faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Okay, a tale bearer reveals secrets. And, and so love, loves the dirt, loves to spread the dirt. Proverbs 19, 11. Uh, the discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Okay, it doesn't mean we sweep it under the carpet, but it means we're not going to live there. We're going to move on. There's hope. 1 Timothy 5, 13. And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house. Okay, not- stop. Who's this talking about? This is talking about um, the widows under the age of 60. Paul is talking about um, sort of they're becoming idle and, and what they'll go okay, It's talking do. about women who have nothing to do. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> All right. Okay, go ahead. Read the rest of it. And not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. Okay. <laughs> is it, so ladies... What do you do right there? You love to go house to house and run your, your dentures? <laughs> Got nothing better? That, that's entertainment to you? Praise the Lord. Okay, in the Bible, wonderful. So David became a captain over them, and these, these that were in debt, discontent, uh, uh, in distress, became mighty men of valor. How you got to ask? How did he do that? Second Samuel twenty three eight. Uh, these are the names of the mighty men who David had: Joseph, Bashabeth, the Tachmanite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino uh, the Esnite because he had killed eight hundred men at one time. Okay, go ahead. Just keep look, listen to these men. These were the debt discontent. Go ahead. And after him was Alazar the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. Uh, one of the three mighty men with David when they de- uh, defied the Philistine who were gathered there before battle. 
and the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand struck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, a Herorite. The Philistine had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled from the Philistines. But he stationed himself in the middle of the field, defended it, and killed the Philistines. So the Lord brought about a great victory. Then three of the thirty chief men went down at harvest time and came to David at the cave of Adullam, and the troop of Philistines encamped in the valley of Raphaim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistine was then in uh, Bethlehem. And David said with longing, Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. So the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines, drew water from the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate, and took it and brought it to David. Nevertheless, he would not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is this not the blood of the men who went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things were done by three mighty men. Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief uh, over another three. He lifted his spear against 300 men, killed them. And one and I mean, it goes on history. and on and on and on. Uh, uh, these men, a great victory. These men of battle. These men, uh, uh, loyal, committed to the bone, uh, uh, would not re- risk their lives. And so something powerful happened that was transmitted, um, and it, this culture created these mighty men. That's true of congregations. If we're going to have disciples and men and couples that will go to the nations um, and slay a thousand Philistines and, and uh, um, keep the sword in their hand till it's, it's, it's welded to their hand, you know, uh, there's a culture in the church that creates that. And, 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 and again, th- this has to do with your heart. This has to do with your example. Uh, this has to do with your language. This has to do with your faith, your hope. And, and uh, these guys come, no doubt they had marriage problems. No doubt there was jealousy and envy, uh, strife, discord, gossip, uh, all of these things. Uh, and so Paul gives us a revelation concerning the church as a body. I need someone to get for me 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, who will get that for me with a good uh, verse Corinthians 12 verse 12 through 31 we're going to read some of this uh, who will get that for me Ike if you'll get that for me so uh, uh, so let's start let's, let's start here uh, Paul uh, he's writing to the Corinthian church which there's all kinds of ism and schism what does that mean uh, what's that Bible word schism George There's a lack of unity. Okay, yeah, there's no unity. There's discord. There's jealousy. There's conflict. Um, there's fractures. Uh, uh, there's this group against that group. There's uh, cliques, uh, all of this stuff. And so Paul, uh, there's prejudice, no doubt. There's the Greeks and the Jews, and, and it's unending. Uh, there's all of this, this conflict, and so he, he say, he's writing to them, uh, and he gives an, an, an analogy of the human body as a church. <clears throat> this is a great revelation in life. 
So let's read it, Ike. 1 Corinthians 12, read 12 and 13. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Okay, now he's addressing two things here. He's got slave owners and slaves in the same, their own slave probably in the same congregation. He's got Jews and Gentiles. <clears throat> so, so one is racial prejudice. The other is, uh, has, has to do with economic prejudice. To, and, and so the, this causes these fractions in the church. But he's given the analogy of the body. And, and he, he goes on, and then we're going to pull all this together. Uh, go ahead and, and, and read uh, 15 through 18. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, it is, theref is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? For if the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, and it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of okay, thee. Okay, let's, let's stop right there. Let's think about this. Now think about your body. My hand looks nothing like my wrist. Right? So does that mean I, I cut my hand off and just glue it to the other one? Because they kind of look alike. You may be sitting beside people who look nothing like you. They don't act like you. They weren't raised like you. They may not even be the same color as you. They, could be, they, may, uh, they may not be in the same economic place you are. Does that mean you don't need them? How weird it is if everyone was an eye, is what he's saying. What, what if everyone was the same? How boring life would be. What if everybody looked the same? What if everybody had the same personality? How, how horribly boring life would be. But not just that. In the body, there's all kinds, and and. and you, somewhere you have to get beyond. In the world, we want to run with people that look just like us. They dress like us. They have the, the same interest we have. Uh, in, in the world of sin, you go to the same club. You have the same activities. You, all of these things. And, and, and you have this tendency to gravitate to people 
who talk like you, act like you, think like you, like what you like, but not in the church. Should not be in the church. Should not be. Go ahead and finish this. I uh, Go ahead and read the rest of it. Uh, read down through verse 30. Uh, yes, sir. And if they were all one body, where were the, were the body? But now they are of many members, but yet one body. And the eye cannot say unto thee, the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one and another. And okay, let's stop a minute. Let's stop a minute. I've never seen my kidneys. I'm glad. <laughs> that does that mean? You know, when you look at someone, and this is normal. Wow, man, your eyes. Or, or we want, or, 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 man, my goodness, you're tall. Or handsome, or, or gorgeous, or whatever. Or, golly, man, that jump shot you got, Tom Thompson. My goodness. Shoo. That's, that, that's a flash from the past. Amen. And, and, and you know what I'm saying? But he said in the church, those parts many times uh, that aren't on the stage, they're not highlighted. That's the ones that need many times the most admiration the most appreciation, compliment, encouragement. Because they're just needed just as much. Needed just as much. This is what makes a church powerful. It's what makes, this, this is what moves God in behalf of a congregation. Is, is when... But all these these fractures, as George said, and these 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 conflicts and uh, and the prejudice, and you got an eye, or, or or you're upset with someone, and you can't, and and you you gossip, and and uh, uh, you you complain, you're critical. All of this kills the culture of a congregation that has the ability to redeem people. I talk to people sometimes, and, and it, it really upsets me. Something someone said to them. And, and they're ready to leave. It had nothing to do with them. Somebody was talking to a new convert or something and puking stuff. People who aren't even here puking this. And, and, and this, now all of a sudden, this convert, man, they're... I wonder how many people go to hell because the church doesn't know how to be instruments of God's redemption. 
I wonder how many families. And, and this is why you have to be careful what you say to your children and in front of your children. Many times have you heard me say that. You go have the, the preacher for lunch, and then you wonder why when they get bigger they don't want to go to church. They hate church. Well, much of that is because of, of, of the picture you've painted. And so we, we're running out of time. We're going to have to close. But, but, but here, uh, Paul is giving this picture of the body. And, and you know, many times when he says, when one suffer, we all suffer. You get older, man. It, it's, it's horrible. Praise the Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Things you took for granted now hurt. You know, my, my knees, and we, we, I've been trying to play some ball again, and we played three-on-three three the other day, which is horrible. you got to run so much. I'm still hurting. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, you know, and, and I remember you said, I never thought of my knees. Never. I mean, I never even looked at them. Who cared? I didn't rub them, pray on them. God, give me the knees of a young man. I want to run through a troop and leap over a wall. I, none of that. It was just, I mean, they're just there. They function and life is good. And you go on. You don't even think about it. I watch kids jump off of this platform sometime and my knees hurt just watching them. I think, oh, oh, Jesus. And, and well, what, what brought my attention was the suffering and the agony. And that ought to be true in the church. It says when, when one of us is blessed, we're all blessed. When one of us rejects, but when someone else is hurting, just like my knees, man, I, I, I buy stuff, man, and rub it on there. It doesn't help any, but it kind of helps me mentally, man. I'm, <laughs> joint, joint stuff, you know. I gave me some joint stuff, and John Johnson says it works. He, he's, he's almost old as I am, and, and not quite, but anyway. Uh, so I'm taking it, man, and I'm saying, I believe, I believe. I prayed and prayed and prayed, now I believe in some kind of chemical, amen. <laughs> but, uh, but what about when it's your brother or sister? What about someone in the church? You go over and just kind of gouge them? What if someone came up to my, uh, to my knee this morning and took their Thompson chain hardcover Bible and went, bam! You'd say, why, why did you do that? But I wonder how many times we do that in the spirit realm. We pull a verse out. They're hurting. They're going through things. They're struggling. Life is, and we just, bam! And then they limp out of church. We don't see them for two or three months. You and I are called to be instruments of God's redemption. Amen. We'll pick up a new subject next week. God bless you. Thank you for your attention.